Hi, welcome to the Grief Awakening Podcast. My name is Elise Duzo, and I'm a grief coach and Reiki practitioner here in Nashville, Tennessee. I help guide others who are grieving to reignite their relationships with their loved ones on the other side, helping them ease the ache of grief. This is a podcast where we can have open conversations about grief and loss, mediumship, science, and I'll even tell you my story as a young widow. If you like this episode, don't forget to hit that follow button. And if you'd like to reach out to me, feel free to give me a follow on Instagram and intuitively underscore Elise. Enjoy the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Grief Awakening Podcast. So glad to be back behind the mic today. Oh, my goodness. Um, Last week was the solar eclipse, which we talked about. It was also Mercury retrograde. And at the end of last week, I had I found myself like just having a couple days where my head was in the clouds. I don't know about you guys, but I just kept forgetting things, missed appointments, missed important emails, um, was leaving things places and had to go back to get them or just misplacing things, misplaced my favorite crystal. <laughs> um, that was a big deal. Okay. and I think this week I'm finally feeling a little bit more centered, a little bit more like myself. I feel like some of the crazy energy we were all experiencing last week has kind of come back to neutral, and I'm excited to move into the month of May. I am heading out this weekend for a really relaxing uh, short trip to the beach and I'm so excited to have that time with my sweet friend to restore and just kind of recharge my batteries and have some time away from answering emails or uh, work. Which also brings me to a few announcements that I have. So we are probably about 24 or 25 episodes in at the time that you're listening to this podcast recording. And I have made the decision that for the month of June, we will be taking a few weeks off. We will be having a short break from releasing new episodes on this podcast. So uh, the end of May will be the conclusion of season one of the Grief Awakening podcast. And season two will begin in early to mid July. And during that time, I will be guesting on other podcasts, so there will be other content to listen to that I will for sure share with you guys through social media or email, and be sure to go on my website. You can sign up for my newsletter. I'm going to start trying to send that out weekly if I can remember to, if not, definitely monthly with some updates, things that are going on, and I'll be sure to um, update you guys if anything changes on scheduling or timing of when this podcast will start back up again. But for now, I'm really, really needing just a a little bit of time away. As most of you may know, if you've been listening to this podcast since episode one, you know a little bit of my story. And the month of June is kind of a a heavy emotional time for me. It is um, the anniversary of Jared's passing also, I also celebrate my birthday just a few short days after, and I'm going to take a little bit of time just to kind of restore and spend some time with family and just really check back in with self. So, and I'll be sure to remind you guys as we get closer to that time. But for now, we have quite a few 
really amazing guests that are going to be coming on this podcast. And one of those is my friend Eloise McBride. She is calling us from Australia. So when we recorded this episode, it was the next day for her and 7 p.m. my time. And she was so kind to do this early in the morning for us so that we could both get in here at a reasonable hour. And Elle is a havening practitioner. And if you haven't heard of havening, it is a healing modality that we're going to dive in deep in on this podcast. And I'm so excited for you guys to learn about it. She is one of the world's first trained and certified havening technique practitioners and has worked with many influential and well-known leaders. She's a writer, a speaker, an advocate for well-being and bringing awareness to trauma education and release. She predominantly works with women and young adults, and she specializes in neural self-care. So I'm very, very excited for you guys to hear this episode. We went deep on a lot of different topics in this episode. It, it kind of went in a direction that I wasn't even planning to go in, and Elle tells us so graciously a little bit of her story uh, growing up, the traumas that she has experienced, and why she felt called to do this healing work. She's also the host of the new Wildly Worthy podcast with her partner, Ella. And I'm going to be leaving all the links to where you can find that and how you can work with her in the show notes. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Elle McBride. Okay, Elle, so good to have you on the podcast today. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. We are talking to you from the future because it is yeah. 10 a.m. Tuesday where you are and it's Monday night here, correct? Yes, correct. I'm from Australia. I am based on the Gold Coast for the listeners that, that know my area. So yeah, it's it's beautiful. So not a lot has happened in the future. It is only 10 a.m. So <laughs> <laughs> the world hasn't ended in the last uh, 12 hours. So that's no. great. Yeah. Um, I love how we kind of randomly connected I feel like I randomly came across one of your reels on my Instagram feed. Yes, Instagram's always showing you things that you might like. And for sure, I just, I was watching you do the havening technique, which we're going to get into for sure. And I just, I don't know why it felt so soothing to just watch mm. you do that and speak the script. And I was like, what is this? I need to know more. So I'm so excited to have you here to talk about havening technique and more about what you do. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to just start by kind of introducing yourself, how you got into neurosciences and holistic wellness? Like what was your journey like? Yeah, oh, thank you so much for, for having me and so excited. I can speak on this topic for a long time, but I will try to keep my answers a little bit brief. So my journey really started prior to my birth. My parents had um, conceived and had a, a full-term pregnancy to a little boy named Josh, and after he was born, he passed away. And then less than a year later, beautiful, happy, healthy baby girl arrives. So my entry into this world was through grief. Uh, the whole time during my pregnancy, my mum was you know, going going through the, the feels. Um, my birth wasn't really celebrated because there was so much fear around what may or may not happen. Uh, would, I, would my mum go through the, the same unexpected um, experiences as she did just one year prior. So it was almost to the date, we were six days apart. Um, wow. Yeah. And 
So that really was my my entry into the world. And I think that that really shook up my parents' relationship. And not only for my entry into this world, throughout my childhood, I always had this feeling like it shouldn't have been me, that if my brother had have been alive, that I wouldn't have been here because really two babies in one year is a lot. Yeah, it does happen, but that is a lot. And some people would, would tend to, to hold off. And, you know, I had an older brother who was four at the time. And so then I've got younger brothers as well. But for myself, I, I really had this sense like it shouldn't have been me. And I carried that belief for a really long time. And it would show up in unique and odd ways. Like if I was to get into trouble, I'd think, oh, if, if Josh was here, he he wouldn't have done that. Or if Josh was here, he would have liked motorbikes and then he, you know, would have gotten along with dad and would have gone off with the boys. But here I am, you know, in the kitchen with with the girls. And so there was just a lot of comparison that I had to somebody that wasn't alive. But we did celebrate his his life and, you know, there'd be beautiful ways that we would do that by you know, looking out to the the night sky and seeing the brightest star in the in the in the sky and saying, "Oh, that's that's Josh." And if you need anything, you know, ask the sky, ask your brother. My mum is still to this day quite a spiritual woman. You know, she'll pull cards, and I remember sitting out the the front of psychic offices and sometimes being in the room as well and hearing wow. what these people would say. And so I always had this connection to something greater, but I really couldn't quite understand it and you know maybe we're not meant to understand it because it is, does become a big part of our our life's journey and you know I did struggle a lot with my my own mental health because of of these reasons and other reasons as well and I think it really honed down you know when it comes to to why I am now the person that I am is yes because my my brother isn't here and I've really had to learn and you know I've had many spiritual awakenings emotional awakenings I've done a lot of trauma healing and, and therapy around the the situations because when you don't feel good enough or worthy enough you tend to put yourself in situations to seek that validation so there was quite a bit of trauma that had, had happened throughout throughout my life and unpacking that and letting that go I really realized that it was always meant to be me. And I did have a, a near drowning experience within my life, which is one of the, the main traumas. And I was standing at the gates of heaven and I had the opportunity to, to pass over. And my hand was quite literally pulled from the ocean and I was brought back to the earth, back to, to life. And in that moment of of meeting God and meeting that that opportunity to step into the light, I had the awareness that it was always meant to be me and that my life mattered and that I mattered and that I was here for a purpose. And that was a big turning point. Didn't make life a lot easier. In many ways, it got a little bit more harder and more confusing there for a while. But it really was a was a turning point. And, you know, now I do the work that I do because of my brother, but also because of my uh, best friend who passed by suicide when I was 19. And so I 
I really use these experiences to motivate me to be the best that I can be, to show up for other people with compassion and understanding. And I remember a psychic, I, I, when Denny, my, my beautiful friend, had passed, for many years I couldn't understand it. You know, I had been depressed in the past. I had had suicidal thoughts in the past. So I understood the pain, but I, I couldn't understand why she couldn't see the light how I did, how how she she couldn't make her way through that darkness. And, of course, I had the guilt for not being there and, and being the supportive friend that she may have needed at that time. But in that experience, I remember, I still to this day remember where I was sitting. I was sitting on a grass patch out the, the back and I was on a, a call with a psychic and, you know, I'd had this me- beautiful message come through and she was able to communicate with Denny. And Denny was really quite a, a misunderstood person. Um, you know, she'd always be getting into trouble for things and we'd think, Denny, why did you do that? <laughs> it's so <laughs> silly. You know, it, it, things I I will keep confidential for her out of respect but things that we just go that was just so out of character and um you know so a lot of people had a lot of different opinions uh, about her and about the way that she lived and I grew up in a very small town with where people talked people gossiped and I remember this psychic just giving me what I needed in that moment and it was that her life was used to and she chose this life to teach people compassion. And, again, I didn't understand it for a really long time, but but now I do. And so I, I try to use her lessons and her learnings to also teach people compassion, that we don't know what anybody else is, is going through. People never knew what I was going through. I never knew what other people were going through. And so my work really now is about helping people overcome that darkness and the things that do weigh us down and to say the, the couches that we carry, but it's also to to empower people to you know, be kind to each other, be kind to ourselves and to, to love. So in a nutshell, that's a bit of my story. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Elle, there's been a lot of loss there. Mm. Um, that's incredible that you've come to the place you are now through all of that. I do. I have conversations with a lot of close friends who are moving through grief. And the one thing we can all agree on is that moving through trauma and loss teaches you a level of compassion that you would never, ever get any other way. Yeah. A compassion for self, for other people. There's almost this feeling, this energetic pull of when you can recognize when someone else has also experienced a loss like you have. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you had a near-death experience. Can I ask you a couple of questions about that? Because I'm, yeah. I'm just curious, um, when, you, when you were going through that experience and you were on the other side for that brief moment, did you see your brother, Josh? No, I didn't. I didn't. There was, it was just pure light. It was, Mm. it was pure light for me. Um, But I've always, always known that, you know, the gates would open and I will walk on the, the beautiful soft clouds. My happy place is when I go into a plane and I'm just above the just above the clouds and you can see yeah. them. They're all doesn't matter what's happening down on earth, but that, that beautiful place that you get to. It could be storms under there, but above the clouds is always blue. And so it's this unless it's nighttime, of course. But 
these big white fluffy clouds and I, I've I've always noticed ever since a child that my journey will be slowly walking through those clouds and then all my people will be there um, that's the way that I choose to see it I've I felt that ever since a child with you know the stories that my parents would give me about what heaven was like and my my beliefs are around it so yeah they they weren't there but they were mm-hmm. yeah yeah, because in that moment when I was tumbling under the waves, I was I was praying. I was saying, "Give me an opportunity," but also I was I was praying for for my family that they would be okay. Yeah, yeah. I was in Hawaii at the time, and I'm Australian, so a different country. Also, understanding that America is very different to Australia in the way that things are, things are done. So you know, my mind's like, how, I, I don't think it all just happens so fast, but. I remember just saying, just let my mum know that I love her. Yeah, that was wow. that was really the the main the main thing because I'd been a bit of a hard kid <laughs> at this point, and I was twenty three. I was I was an adult at this point. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this wasn't that long ago. Yes, yeah, ten um, years. It was ten years ago the wild. other day, actually. Yeah. Wow. I, I had a memory pop up, and what was so funny is because at the time when it happened, I didn't know the magnitude of it because it all happened so quickly that I, I found myself back up on the beach and then we went back to where we were staying and I couldn't talk for about 24 hours. I, I, I couldn't process what was going on. And it, mm-hmm. the, the post that came up on, you know, face, we were all using Facebook and comment and posting 20 times a day yeah. <laughs> um, 10 years ago. It was a different world. It's like Instagram stories used to be a Facebook post. Yep. And the the post that I I done was like oh went for a swim got caught in the waves, um, safe to say I don't feel like anything salty, and I, I I now look at that and I think wow that was such a a traumatic but such a spiritual awakening but it's such a big moment but at the moment it was just I got caught in some waves mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know the magnitude of it until. I'd started on this healing journey until I'd started letting things go that I could actually see the whole purpose of of what I had gone through. Um, you know, I, I didn't go home that night and think, oh, I met God today. And, yeah. you know, I had an opportunity to, to cross it. It actually came many years later and it was almost when I stepped back into a Christian faith as well that you know, having and and praying more with God and and having a deepened connection that I was like, wow, it all, all the puzzle pieces came back together. Yeah. And that was about four or five years ago now. So it took almost five years to realize how significant this event was. Yeah. I've heard some people say that after a near-death experience, they have trouble feeling normal in their old life, their old world, like everything just has a new color to it, a new um, energetic feeling, like just nothing feels the same. Did you experience that or what did it really just take you that full, that full five years or so to really start to feel different? Oh, yes. It definitely took me a while. So I uh, continued traveling through the US and I was with my best friend and I couldn't go near the the ocean. You know, we, we traveled quite a bit. Um, you know, from Hawaii, went to LA to um, down to San Diego, up through um, 
Arizona, Nevada, San Fran, and then over to the the east side. But I remember being in uh, Vegas and Vegas for me wasn't like an average person's experience in Vegas or what it should be. Um, but Evelyn and I, we she'd gotten bitten by a spider of all places. Imagine going from Australia to the US and getting bitten by a spider. Right, when Australia is like the world's <laughs> capital for spiders. Yeah, literally. There was like one on my car the other day and I was like, oh, come on, mate. Um, you know, they're, they're so common here. And so she had been bitten by something and we ended up in the, the emergency room. And uh, so our hotel ended up upgrading us and we got this big spa and this, you know, bathroom. It was, it was so, so lovely. Uh, but so we decided to have a bath together. And in there, you know, I don't know if it was a mix of being in a confined space and the water and Evelyn being there. We had been both in Hawaii swimming. So, um, but I had my first ever panic attack. And within that, that was a, a very hard moment for, for myself. I had experienced anxiety, I had experienced depression, but I hadn't experienced a, an anxiety attack um, before. And in that moment, so many different other suppressed memories kept coming up. So life actually from the moment of, of the experience and the, the near death, it got a lot darker and a lot harder. I want to say for about f- five years after that, um, that's I, I had to shift through a lot of anger, a lot of um, misunderstanding. I ended up developing what would probably be considered um, complex PTS. Uh, it wasn't quite a disorder, but it was very complex stress, yeah, from past experiences. And so for myself, I didn't have any labels. I didn't have any support. I continued traveling. I, I ended up visiting, I think, 19 cities in the US and then went to um, the UK and worked for a while and traveled, you know, over 20 different countries. And everywhere I went, there I was. And it became really hard to meet myself because when you're traveling, you're constantly meeting other people and Mm. you have this opportunity to introduce yourself. And I got to the point, I didn't know how to introduce myself. I, I didn't know who I was. And then my brother was having the first grandchild, so I, I came back to Australia and back to my hometown, back to where all the memories are. And again, it, it got a lot harder. And I, I seeked out a lot of support. I seeked out the the different people that I that I could that you know would show up. And it was a very you know I can look back on it and like wow everything happened for a reason. It was such a spiritual experience. And, you know, I went through everything meaning something and, you know, there'd be, I'd be looking for the signs. I'd be looking for the white feathers, the butterflies. I'd be, everything had a, had a purpose, but I, I had no sense of it. And it, it really became all consuming. So it was like the, the healing became consuming, but the the past and the pain became consuming at the same time. Mm. And so, yeah, I eventually ended up um, making my way to the Gold Coast, which is about a 16-hour drive from where I lived. Australia is like, you know, as big as the US. And so to get yeah. anywhere, it does take quite a while. And um, I was on the Gold Coast. I'd lived here before. I used to run away from all of my problems you know, I'd lived in like 16 different places and houses within, you know, a four-year period. And the reinvention, loved reinventing myself when things got too hard. And so 
I stumbled into a, a coffee shop while I was visiting the Gold Coast and met a woman who had just been in the UK and studied in this thing called Havening. And there was just something about this woman. It, there was there was safety, there was a calmness, and there was a remembering of, it was almost like a remembering of my soul. And you meet those people and you're like, you are one of my people. You, yeah. you, you get it. And um, she invited me to come and have a, a session of Havening, which we did the next day. And she'd sent me all of the science and all of the information. And I remember watching it and being like, yeah, that's too good. You know, too good to be true. Too good to be true. I remember there was a woman who had gone through uh, a miscarriage and it was a video that she had sent me of one of the creators, Ronald, Dr. Ronald Rudin, Harvard medical trained doctor who created Havening, was doing a, a session on this lady and there was so much sadness, so much pain. And within a few minutes, she was she was lighter. She was able to talk about it. She was just so overcome with this, like this shedding of pain. And I remember thinking, oh, it's, good for her but I tried everything I'd gone and seen all of the people that I could see at this point just trying to get something to to work and some things made it good some things made it made it worse in in some ways and this is the the complex stress um, that I had and for myself I sat in that chair and I said three words I said when I was and she started stroking my arms and I start crying and I'm sweating and I'm, it is, I am so under a, a state of, of stress and panic. My amygdala is just wanting to get out of that room. And she just held the space so beautifully for me. And about 15 minutes later, I couldn't access that memory in the way that I had in the past. It had been you know, it could have almost looked under the chair. And I've now since had clients since becoming a, a trained practitioner in this look under the chair for their memory. And wow. so, yeah, that was the beginning. And it was such a simple technique that, you know, the session ended up going for, for two hours. We worked through a lot of the unworthiness. We worked through a few memories. And so I took myself to where, a beautiful place here on the Gold Coast called Burley Hill, and I sat on this hill and overlooked the ocean and the city skyline. And I did this havening on myself. I, I stroked my arms and I said the alphabet and I counted backwards from 20. And it was so deceptively simple that I just kept doing it. When it, something would pop into my mind that made me feel uncomfortable or stressed, I'd just haven it. And so I went back to, the, you know, and this is, six years ago now, there was no information on it. There was no YouTube. There was nobody talking about Havening. It was just that one session that I took away from it. And I started Havening my life. And so I went back to my hometown. I was in a very unhealthy relationship at the time. And I left that and I left my family and I left my every everybody. And I moved to the Gold Coast. And I caught up with this lady, her name is Karen Hedges, and I met up with her and she told me that the trainers from the UK were coming over for the first training. And 
I was like, oh, that's that's fantastic, but no thanks. I need the ther- <laughs> I need the therapist. I can't become the therapist. <laughs> this is uh, no. If they need a demonstration, let me know. I'd love to come and help. And um, but after a bit of convincing and a bit of conversation, I ended up in that room, and I have since developed such a natural way with havening. I am a leading practitioner here in Australia and globally. And I know that this modality found me. And I now know that whilst the other modalities that I had tried are fantastic, I've since become trained and certified in many of them, that it was meant to be havening for me. And mm-hmm. so havening could also be called um, delta therapy because we're activating the delta waves. And it was previously known as amygdala depotentiation because it's so heavily backed by, by science. And we understand what's happening within the amygdala when we become stressed and how we can permanently change that response. So for me, I I just love what I now get to do but that journey of me sitting in the chair to the year and a half I took a year and a half to become certified in this modality some people take six weeks some people never become certified they've now capped it at one year but (laughs) from when you're training (laughs) but for myself I had to become my own client I had to I had to haven my life. I had to heal my life. I had to overcome the things that, the the pain that I had so I could help others. Um, I I see it a lot in this industry and I believe that that's why the therapies that I had tried prior where people were using modalities that were coming from a place of genuinely wanting to help somebody, but they haven't necessarily been willing to take themselves to that place. Yeah. Am I a healed person? Absolutely not. (laughs) But I do know that I have let go of a lot and that I I can hold people to a very deep capacity because I've held myself there and I've also allowed in support. Uh, Karen Hedges is still my mentor. She's like my best friend, my sister, my my auntie. Um, My mum would get way too triggered if I said she was like my mum. But (laughs) but she, she really does have such a an impact on on my life so yeah that is a a beautiful journey you have been Mm -hmm. on to find such a a healing modality that's not only you're helping heal others but healing yourself Mm -hmm. would you just dive in a little bit deeper and kind of explain like what is happening as you do havening and in what ways can we use havening for our listeners Mm -hmm. to help work through grief yeah. So havening is a psychosensory therapy. So as you heard me say, I was stroking my arms. You can stroke your arms um, from the, the shoulders down to your elbows. Across the face is the, the second main one. So from you know the, the third eye across the, the eyes and down the cheeks or your hands. Now, these are the traditional spaces of havening. We, we use these because they produce the largest amount and the fastest uh, way to access delta waves. Delta waves are our slowest brainwave that we have. You could, and I work with a lot of um, professionals, a lot of uh, uh, corporates, and so they'll often haven under the, the desk, yeah? Like mm. I'm doing it right now and you can't see that I'm doing that, yeah? And so... 
for for the beautiful havening technique we are using this in moments of stress we're using this to calm the amygdala if you think of a newborn baby or a toddler even a five-year-old an eight-year-old if you think about yourself how much you love if you're laying there and somebody just strokes the top of your head yeah it's that reminder it's encoded in us that this allows us to feel safe to feel calm to feel seen, that somebody's there for us. But if you think about the hardest moments in your life, especially when it comes to grief, when you feel abandoned and you feel like you've been left and that person isn't there, those people, and then you detach yourself from allowing the love from others, we, we reject this. Now, a baby doesn't reject being cuddled and being nurtured, yeah, but as adults mm-hmm. we do. So for us, a prime example, and this is, a, you know, beautifully the, the way that this, story, this conversation is unplayed because I shared about that Facebook post that I did in the, uh, about the, the beach. In that moment, that was my way of coping because no one was there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My my best friend was there and yes, you know, we had a cuddle and yes, she was able to, you know, support me as best as she could, but I didn't have the the understanding of what I'd just been through. So for us, we we use the havening techniques in the moments of stresses if we're going to facilitate it for ourselves. As I mentioned, when I'd have a memory come up, I'd be able to use this technique to work through it in the moment. But often I will work with clients, as I had worked with with Karen, where they'll come to me. And if a client was to come because a partner, a parent, a child, somebody they have known, even people that they don't know, you know, we can be, we can have secondary trauma from, from people losing people for a very long time. When I would hear of somebody passing by suicide, I would become so emotionally attached it would affect me and I and I wouldn't even know the person so the way that I would work with with clients in whatever capacity with grief is they would come in and and they would sit and of course we we need to develop that trust that that safety has to be there and I love that havening is called havening because we're creating a safe haven yes we're creating a safe haven within the landscape of the mind and so the client would sit down in, in the chair and would be not opposite, but sitting opposite, but side by side. And so like two passing ships in the night, if you would. So there is that level of freedom. That person can get up at any time. They could walk out of the room. Um, I've, I've never had it happen, but that level, again, of safety that they are. See, when I was using some of the other modalities where I was sat in a chair and somebody was hunched over me or I was laying down with an eye mask and all of these blankets over the top of me, um, I I didn't feel safe. And that's why the Mm. healing didn't happen. So that's why within Havening, you know, I would never say guaranteed results or you'll be cured, but I've also gotten results with everyone I've worked with, yeah. Yeah. Is the goal for with Havening for the client to learn how to do this themselves and use it regularly on their own for self-soothing and working through trauma? My goal is to have that. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I can't speak for Havening headquarters. Um, I yeah. know that they want as many as many people to, to know about this modality. I definitely know that the creators, Ron and, and Steve Rudin, definitely want that as well. Um, but I, I, I do believe that through the hard stuff, we should have the space held for us. I've ever since I started, I've I've always worked on on Zoom with clients as well, which is a, a really wonderful way of technology. I know that there's a lot of haveners that won't work via Zoom, but I love working via Zoom because we actually get that connection with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, the difference is my clients that come and see me in person, I will admit sometimes they do get faster results. You know, they will have bigger awakenings in the in the chair. Because they're they're surrendered into the process, the touch is being done on them. Sometimes they choose to do it themselves as well, but it's a place that they have to go to receive that. Where with my online clients, I find that they're taking themselves through this process, and it becomes so self empowering that my clients that I work with online will say, "Oh, something came up, but I havened it." Where my in person clients that I see. I get a text message, L, something's come up, when's your next availability? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's there's lots of pros and cons. But for, for the beautiful process of, of havening, what we are doing is if a, if a client was to come to see me, and, you know, they're feeling fine, it's been a normal day, they're, they've maybe been carrying around a really heavy couch for a while, they've got some memories there that aren't helping them, they're feeling a bit stagnant, they're feeling lost, maybe they're, they're grieving somebody, they're trying to go and achieve something, whatever, a million things as to what's phobias, fears, million things of what people can come and see me for. And so they'll sit in the chair and it's it's about a good investigation around finding what it is, yeah? For my experience, I, I knew where my hand had come from, yeah? For, for a lot of people, they know where where it came from. For other people, it, yeah. they don't. If it's complex, they don't know where it's come from. So sometimes we'll have a bit of investigation we'll have a bit of a conversation sometimes the thing is not the thing and they'll a client will walk in with a fear of flying but it will end up being you know that their the, the loss of somebody is attached to the the flight it could be a million and one different things so we always play into curiosity within my sessions and then we want to activate the amygdala we want to get a bit uncomfortable we want to create that stress response the, the amygdala is an almond-sized part of the mind. It's, it's quite small. We've got two of them, and they detect the fight-or-flight response. Our amygdala is our ultimate best friend. It is like, I am here, at least to protect you. Mm-hmm. And if there is anything that has happened in your life before and you don't want to experience that again, but you see that that potentially could happen, I'm going to warn you. Yeah, I'm going to fly that big red flag and create a, a fight response, a flea response, a fear response. I'm going to make you fawn, right? I want you to just completely disassociate or de- unattach from the experience. That's our amygdala. And I think we have a this preconceived idea that it's a part of us that doesn't like ourselves, but it's actually a part of us that loves ourselves so much. Mm-hmm. Right? It is our greatest protector. So we want to activate that. I like to call it Amy, right? Our, our amygdala, our Amy, right? Because it's like our best friend, yeah? <laughs> and, yeah. And Amy just needs some calming. 
yeah, we've got the vagus nerve in there. We've got everything happening all within this mind, but the, the, the pinpoint is the amygdala. So as we create this, this beautiful havening touch, again, the, the face, the arms, or the hands, we're producing a large amount of delta waves. Now, through this, we're also creating a large amount of calcium neuron. And calcium neuron goes in and it depotentiates the way that the amygdala has responded through amperoceptors. So I want you to think about the alarm system going off, right? Amy has an alarm system. Something has happened. You've become stressed. The alarm starts to signal. Yeah. So what we do is we go in with the delta waves creating the calcium neuron and one at a time, the alarm just starts to become a little bit less. And this is a permanent change that we've created, not just momentary. There's a lot of things that give momentary relief. You know, yeah. hypnotherapy can be a lovely way, EFT, EMDR. There's a lot of other modalities out there that can give this great relief because they're accessing the alpha brainwave. Havening is going one step deeper. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. To kind of put that into context. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I was wondering how it compared to EFT because that is something I am familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, so for our friends listening, if they were going through a grief trigger mm-hmm. right now in this moment, yep. what would you suggest they use as are they speaking a script as they do that for themselves are they should they just talk through the emotions that they're having as they're popping up yeah look I would I always just say whatever you're experiencing add the havening touch okay if I was working one-on-one with somebody when I worked through the the loss of my best friend yeah but when the, the time came for me to go okay I'm I'm ready to address Danny's passing and i I went to uh, my my mentor and, and wanted to be held through that. There's many different, it, so it's deceptively simple, but it can also be quite complex. But I'll, I'll give a couple of tips here. One thing that you can do is, yes, you can experience the trigger that you're having and gently stroke your arms, your face or your hands. And you could say the alphabet over and over again, just saying the alphabet, keep it very simple. Or you could count, 1 to 20, 1 to 20, 20 to 1, 20 to 1. Just a very simple distraction that is true. You know, we can't argue that the alphabet is the alphabet. We know that it's the alphabet. Right. So the mind isn't going to get complex. You know, I find it quite complex when people go, I want you to imagine a beautiful rainforest. And it's like, well, if I've never been in a rainforest, I don't know how I'm, that's just, hang on, I'm sitting here in my trigger. (laughs) Yeah. Use use something we know to be true. Yeah. So, So going with, with something like that. Another one which is, is quite a bit harder but is also very powerful is adding the beautiful havening touch and saying your loved one's name over and over again. Yeah, I find that with this it, it can be very hard at the beginning but as you just continue with that, you know, if I was to sit and, and haven just Danny, 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 there might be quite a bit of um, there might be quite a bit of emotion that, that may come forward for me. Yes. It might feel really quite uncomfortable. But after a few minutes, the sense of openness and peacefulness that will come upon me, it also allows, you know, I'm very intuitive because I've, I've cleared so much. 
Yeah, there will always be things to clear. Some of the hardest days of my life haven't happened yet and some of the best days of my life haven't happened yet. Um, the channel is clear, yeah? So if I want to connect with Denny, if I want to connect with my brother, if I want to connect with, with God's source, a few minutes of this beautiful havening touch can allow that, yeah? That that beautiful um essence of of energy is is there those soul contracts are there Uh, we just we I know for myself and my journey with with grief is especially after Denny passed I I even remember booking the flights to to go to Hawaii and then to continue traveling the world and just feeling so guilty who was I to have this experience who was I to be traveling the world when when she's not? Who am I to be smiling or to be happy or to want more? And I remember thinking uh, later in in life, having gone through this and having you know let this go and, and connecting with her a, a lot. She now visits me through birds, and it's 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 beautiful. Sometimes they're really loud, though. She was a very loud character, mm-hmm. and uh, I get a lot of crows. And um, and for it, it would be just this beautiful reminder of she would want this more than anything. She doesn't want me to to grieve her life. She wants me to celebrate her life. I get to now go and do things in honour for her. Everybody that I help has come from a place of me helping myself out of the pain that I had gone through. And so it's this, this beautiful, but I wouldn't have gotten that if I was in my thinking brain. Yeah, when we get out of our brain, when we when we reset the nervous system, when we allow for stillness and calmness, which we can only access if we slow down the thing that runs us, which is our mind. Yeah, we can get to those places. Mm. That's beautiful. I know that, especially in the beginning stages of grief, it's so hard to slow down the mind, especially when you are seeking things like distraction. Um, and you, you don't, you don't want to take the time to tune into those deeper emotions because it hurts. Right. Mm-hmm. But it is something that needs to be looked at. And I think that's just such a beautiful technique to do it in such a kind and compassionate way for self. It's just beautiful. Um, I want to switch gears. Mm-hmm. And so we were met talking earlier before we hit record about your new podcast that's come, yeah. come out. Yeah. The wildly worthy, worthy podcast you started with your business partner, Ella. Yeah. Um, would you tell us more about that and what exactly does it mean to be wildly worthy? Yeah. So through, you know, my whole journey, all my life, even when I was a child, I was very outwardly confident. Um, but internally absolute mess, right? <laughs> I can say that reflecting <laughs> back. And Ella's, you know, experience is, is very similar. We run retreats through the Enlightened Code and we have Enlightened Retreats, Reconnect and Emerge, and we, we run lots of different things. And so we really wanted a place where people could get to know us. They could meet us. They could have these conversations that we often don't have. So the Wildly Worthy podcast was really built from that place of what to Ella and myself and our company support people in doing. Yeah, how do we, how do we support people? And I know through my own experience and through the thousands of people that I help annually is that the biggest thing affecting us is that we've forgotten that we're enough. And enoughness comes from and and extends into our self-worth. 
So when we were sitting down with, okay, well, how do we help people? We were like, we really help people in all different capacities from retreats, online programs, downloadables, things like that through their self-worth journey. And so for us, we were like, well, what's the outcome? What's the outcome? If we help people with their self-worth, what's the outcome of how of what they get when you work on your self-worth? And it really is that idea of just being wildly worthy. Yeah, being wildly knowing, okay, I am enough just the way that I am. And yes, I've been through things. And yes, there is a story. And yes, I could sit down and if I really wanted to get into it, I could I, I could live back in that story. But instead, I'm going to choose the wild side of life. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to fully embrace this this part. I'm going to step into it and and own it, which is then becoming wildly worthy in whatever capacity that looks like. Our podcast doesn't really talk on worthiness, mm-hmm. but it allows people to a lot of the feedback is, you know, I feel like I'm sitting down with friends and having a cup of tea, you know, and getting some hard truths. And so we really just want every conversation for the people to realize, A, I'm not broken. B, I don't need fixing. But if I am to spend a little bit of time on myself, if I am to do a little bit of healing, if I am to kind of question my values and my purpose and why I'm here, then there's going to be a really good outcome. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, just the couple of episodes that are out and I've listened Mm -hmm. to thus far, it really feels like you're, you're talking about topics that we can learn more about and conversations that we can open ourselves up to that help us feel more into ourselves or that feeling of worthiness. Like, like you're saying, just like more validation of like, Oh wait, I, I am that I am worthy. I am worthy of all of the things that I want and desire mm-hmm. and I'm worthy of healing as well too. Like there's, it's, it's going to be so beautiful. I'm just like really excited to see what comes of it. I know it's in the very beginning stages. Yeah. And I think I heard you guys say that you had the idea for this podcast, like a very, very long time ago. What took you guys so long to sit down and, you know, hit record? Uh, I definitely think time, timing is, is everything. You know, if we had have wanted to create this a few years ago, who knows a, what it would have been called. Um, and I think it would have just been jumping on a bandwagon because, you know, everyone wants a podcast where, um, I think for us now where we're at, we're really grounded in what our retreats are. We know what our offerings can do for people. Uh, as facilitators, as co-founders of, you know, two companies, we know where we're at. And, you know, we also run, you know, solo businesses on top of that. So we know what we're doing. Um, So it just felt like a nice addition now where I think prior to this, it would have felt like we were spinning too many plates. Yeah. 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 I totally understand. And a bit of imposter syndrome too. Who am I? Like, oh yeah. Oh, you know, I've listened back to some of them and I'm like, ah, I say, you know what I mean? So much. And I say like a lot. I'm like, okay, I need to extend on my vocabulary. You know, the yeah, we're, we're our there. own worst critic. And yeah. when you start hearing yourself on a microphone for the first time, <laughs> you're so acutely aware of all the little things yeah. that no one else is hearing, but because it's you and you're <laughs> yeah. listening to back, you'll, you'll nitpick, but yeah. Um, how can our listeners work with you, work with the Enlighten Co? 
Mm-hmm. How can they connect with you? Do you offer um, virtual offerings? Because obviously most of our listeners are here in the US and I think Canada as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can find me on Eloise McBride on most platforms, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Um, and there's there's loads of information on all of those channels and you know, socials do offer different things. So you won't find the same content across the three platforms. And then I have a... Uh, online portal. So havening.podia.com is kind of my place where you can find free videos on havening, free downloadable like ebooks that explain it. I've got a self-havening mini course that you can do. And I really just try to keep things deceptively simple as havening is so we can kind of push through. I don't really go too much into the science because you don't need to understand it in order for it to work. And I do genuinely mm-hmm have clients who are quite intuitive and spiritual in that sense compared to, you know, the doctors and the psychiatrists that, uh, you know, I refer um, other people to to go and work with them. So my approach is very much more intuitive. So, yeah, com. you can find my website and all the information on there on how to book. I do online um, all over the world and then again in person on the Gold Coast. Amazing. I hopefully our listeners will take advantage of that information work connect with you. I, I don't hear anyone here talking about havening. So I'm really excited that we had this conversation and and this is going to come out on the podcast. Um, I feel like this is going to be a modality that is going to become as popular as something like EFT or, um, you know, hypnotherapy, things like that. So it has been created over the last 20, uh, three years since 2020 it it started and have a trained medical doctor so we know what the u.s pharmaceutical industry is like as well and Mm -hmm. so he's just been so mindful to get the science right because modalities like eft and emdr are fantastic but they do lack in that science which is why they kind of get put aside to a bit of a placebo effect Mm. yeah so they are being really um they are being really mindful to go about it the right way so this can go and impact as many people as possible. Dr. Kate Truitt is a fantastic neuro um, uh, neuroscientist as well who's come aboard and great things are happening. So, yeah. But there's a lot of practitioners in the U.S. M- m- it's where it was created, so there's many more there than, than anywhere else. Amazing. I'm going to leave all of that information, links, resources for people in the show notes as well as how to get in touch with you. Um, thank you so much for meeting with me today oh, and doing this. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, friends, I want you to stop what you're doing and go straight to Elle McBride's Instagram and click on one of her reels where she is demonstrating her havening technique I want you to see how easy this is, how easy this will be for you to do on your own to help you move through those harder moments, to help you release some energy that you may have been holding in, things that have been hard to work through. Maybe you can't verbalize them or maybe they're showing up physically in your body. Go ahead and check out Elle, her her website, her Instagram. Get in touch with her if you feel like you could use some guidance and would like to learn more about this technique. I'm so glad that we got to sit down and have this conversation. Elle is 
Elle is without a doubt an expert in this field, and the world needs to know about this amazing healing technique that is. I also want to say a special thank you to Elle for being so completely open and vulnerable with us and sharing with us those harder moments that she experienced and also the story of her near-death experience. I I wasn't expecting to have those conversations, and I'm so glad we did. Um, NDEs are definitely something I want to dive in deeper on this podcast. So, so if you or someone you know has gone through a near-death experience, uh, have them get in touch with me because I would love to talk a little bit more about this on the podcast and really dive deeper into what that is like and how it changes your view on um, grief and death. So as always, the links to get in touch with Elle will be in the show notes, as well as some links to resources to learn more about Havening. If you like this episode, be sure to give it a rating and a review, and don't forget to hit that follow button so you don't miss next week's episode. If you'd like to get in touch with me, as always, you're welcome to DM me on Instagram at intuitively underscore or Elise, or my email will always be in the show notes for you. Okay, friends, I hope you have a great rest of your week and weekend ahead, and I will see you all next time. Bye!